All right, welcome to episode eight of Defenders of the Bank with your boy, Philly and a scarf. Welcome. We uh, had a great episode last week with Gary Gold. He definitely entertained us. Wouldn't you say so, Scarf? Oh, yeah. We had a good time with Gary. Uh, Again, our apologies for the Uber, but we love you anyway, Gary. Yeah, hopefully you got home safe. You definitely took a lot of bags of Funyuns home and, of course, that uh, Casamigos tequila. Now, on today's episode, we have a very, very special guest as well. He is the owner of Winged Solutions. He is also known as the LAFC Falconer. And you could say he's really the father of Ollie, Mel, Fig, Sonny, and Bond. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Ken Mickna. Ken, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. And I, before we get started, please don't tell anyone I paid you money to be on your show. Your okay. secret's safe with me. Okay. Can, Can you I, keep your mouth shut, right. JR? I didn't hear a thing. Thank you. I All right. don't, didn't want to get out. All right, awesome. So Ken, as we mentioned, is the owner of Wing Solutions. It's a family-owned operation that he founded in 2000. And Ken, we're just going to ask you a couple of little basic questions to start off with. Tell us a little bit about yourself, where you're from, stuff like that to begin with. I grew up in Air Force Sprat, grew up all over the planet. Used to be an electrical contractor, used to be a mechanical engineer. Now I'm a professional falconer, and uh, I like it best. We're a three-generation company. My wife is retired, and she tells us what to do. She doesn't know a thing about falconry, but she signs the check, so she's in charge. My grandson is the third generation. He is going to be here June, July, and August at all the games, flying the Falcons and getting to know the business. And, by the way, since he's going to be here, he's since actually LAFC started, he's become a soccer fanatic. All right. He started his first year at his high school, and he's Starting now on the JV team. That's oh, awesome. awesome. It's addictive. Soccer is the biggest religion in the world, and I never got it until I went to an LAFC game. Then I heard the 3252. These guys my, are incredible. Then, then I start feeling it. I used to think, oh my God, those guys just run around and you know they don't like really hit, and it's not that hard. And I'm saw a game. I was like, holy Fraggle Rocks, Batman! It <laughs> is intense. It's I like the good violence of the game, not the bad violence. I, <laughs> I love the fact that LAFC fans are good examples for my grandchildren. I could point to them and say, that's sportsmanship. Right. That's how we should act. Right. But the whole thing is just so intense. And the good violence on the game, I absolutely love. I was just, I'm blown away by everything. It's really a fantastic experience for people who never got into soccer. I've heard this conversation. I brought friends over to the stadium that didn't necessarily know anything about the game. Then all of a sudden they sit the first 45 minutes. They're mesmerized by everything going on, the activity on the field, the passion of the 3252. There really is nothing like it anywhere in North America. And I would agree with what Gary Gold said on the last show. This is probably the best supported team, the best type of atmosphere that I've seen in the MLS. What would you say, Scarf? Ken, you hit the nail on the head for how I got into this as well. I mean, I've been to maybe a handful of Sounders games. Used to be a Seattle Sounders fan. My best friend lives up in Seattle. We're not going to hold that against Yeah, right, right. I mean, I might at a later show. (laughs) I'm no longer a Sounders fan. One, LA got a team, and I was really excited just to be part of something new and different in LA. But the first time you walk into the bank and you feel the energy... You know, that's such a big moment for fans like me. And like you said, I wasn't bitten by the football bug until LAFC came along. And I have just dove in feet first. A lot of our fans know that I'm the least knowledgeable of the two of us here on the podcast on a normal basis. And we get corrected. I get corrected every now and then on Instagram or Facebook or Twitter. But, you know, I have to say a large part of what gets our fans, the 3252 and everybody else all around the stadium, so excited is right before kickoff when we're lucky enough to have you as a part of the show before everything kicks off. It is not a show. It's a pregame ritual. I want to make something else perfectly clear since I got you two and all you poor people have to listen to me. (laughs) LAFC does not have a mascot. Mascots are people who dress up in silly, fuzzy costumes. (laughs) We have a symbol of the spirit and ferocity of the team that has a pregame ritual that hunts down the opponent's crest and wishes to impale it. We have something much more meaningful here. I was at a uh, commercial shoot with the Falcons uh, for Toyota. The assistant director is a huge soccer fan. He's from Argentina, born and bred. He showed me a picture of his daughter, two minutes old, and had 
the club's crest on her little beanie. <laughs> he is a hardcore football aficionado, extremely passionate about it. We're at the shoot, has 125 people. Very, very expensive shoot to right. slow down for like a second. It's going great. Falcons are flying great. I open the back of my van. He sees a LAFC crest. And he goes, uh, is, or, is that? Is, is that Ollie? <laughs> <laughs> and he stopped the shoot and called the producer over. Oh, that's awesome. And they were like Googling over the birds. <laughs> <laughs> now, out of all that that I got out of it, it's it really cool that they appreciate Ollie. But this hardcore soccer aficionado who's impassioned and loves his team came to the LAFC Bank of California Stadium and was just blown away. He walked away and bought season tickets, hmm. called up his brother, <laughs> and said, our team needs to be like that. I just can't think of a higher compliment from anyone ever that I've ever heard. Your Falcons have really become ingrained in the fabric of what this team does before every single game. I mean, I don't know of any animal, of any other MLS team, any other representation like that, that has their own t-shirts in the team store that, you know, fans Pins flock. Too. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Fans flock when they see you or Jenna walking around Bank of California Stadium. And it's not just kids. Grown men and women stop everything that they're doing to come meet you and the Falcons. It's absolutely incredible. That is an interesting way to pick up women. It's just to have a falcon around your arm. <laughs> That's how I met my wife. <laughs> so let me ask you this, Ken. I grew up in my dream, this world. What I wanted to do was I wanted to be in a band. JR, I know you wanted to be a baseball player. And I know you started young, but tell us about your entry into the world of falconry. Gosh, I, I've always been amazed and fascinated with birds of prey. I hiked around. I watched them. I observed them. i just trying to pick up where they're putting down, how they survive, what they do. My best friend, Jeff, and I, nine-year-old little kids living in the Diamond Bar Country Estates, Next door to the Firestone Boy Scout Reserve. Okay. okay. It's like 100,000 acres. Oh, wow. Uh, they hardly ever used it. So it was like my private hiking grounds. Trails everywhere. They had a big F Troop fort set up yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, And then one day he came over and says, hey, I know a guy who has a hawk in his backyard, and he lets it go, and it comes back. And I'm like, you're so <laughs> full of crap, dude. <laughs> no. I went over to his house. And he had a Cooper's Hawk and a Red Tail. And since then, I knew I had to be a Falconer. <laughs> I, I'd just been doing it my entire life. So you started at the age of nine. By the time you were 16, you got your state and your federal license. And then you became a Master Falconer at 20. Tell us about the process and what it takes to become a Master Falconer. You really have to have some serious mental issues. <laughs> the whole focus of your life really does revolve around them. It's like having this little infant child who has eight sharp daggers. It doesn't listen to you and could fly away at a moment's notice. It's just totally unreasonable the amount of dedication it takes. And it's a sickness. You have to really be obsessed to put in that much effort to become mediocre at it. You go take your... The legal aspects of it, you go take your test, you pass it, get your facilities inspected, you pass that, you find a sponsor who's a general or master falconer, and they'll show you the ropes. Two years after for, you're an apprentice, then five years you become what's called a general falconer, then after seven years you become a master. And then in about another 10 years you get good at it. It's absurdly unreasonable and demanding. And Ken, you did all this while you had a nine-to-five job, right? Well, yeah. Actually, I was an electrical contractor for a while. I did uh, industrial work. Got tired of that. Then I went back to college and got my bachelor's of science in mechanical engineering. Then one day, my 2015 vision went to 2250. Okay. Uh, lost my career. Freaked out. Had the whole pity party crap. You know how it, you know. When sure. Things like that happen. Like, oh my God, I don't know what to do. I'm feeling sorry for myself. Then my wife kicked me upside the head. Then she beat me. Says, well, <laughs> if you really want to go do this professional falconry stuff, you really should just do it. So I invested our life savings. Wow. Literally. Wow. It, it was huge. But I wasn't going to go 
play with the little kids. I right. wanted to go in the big big pond right. with the big boys. Now we are the biggest professional falconry company, I believe, in California. I'm almost positive of that. Maybe in the United States. Wow. We're all privately held, so you can't really find that information out. Okay. We don't talk about our contracts. Is <laughs> falconers are weird people, as you already know. <laughs> Did I, did I go off on a tangent? This is what's interesting about you know the questions that we're asking. We want to get to know you and your story. We have questions here, but you're kind of touching on a lot of things. So we're actually flying through it in a really cool and concise way. While you were involved with everything that you were doing as a profession, did you have a lot of time that you were spending within falconry during that period? I always had a bird. We were flying it, but we always made it a, a family thing. It's like I, some families go fly a kite. You went and flew falcons, birds. <laughs> yeah, we'd, awesome. we'd go out and fl- loose a hawk and let nature happen, bro. <laughs> <laughs> it's a family thing. I love it. Oh, that's incredible. So that, that was how I was able to have my passion and my family time. They got suckered into it, basically. Yeah. <laughs> And again, just a reminder, we are talking with Ken of Wing Solutions. If you want to follow Ken on Instagram, he's at LAFC Falconer. And of course, you would know him for the pretty sweet leather jacket that he gets to wear before a lot that of the thing games. That's definitely and sweet. That's custom made, right, Ken? It, it's not leather. They got cheap on me. It's a flight jacket, like on Top Gun. Got it. I wanted the black leather one. Bad. <laughs> the embroidery is custom. <clears throat> They're absolutely beautiful jackets. I'm yeah. sure the LAFC headquarters would love to be selling some of those at the team store. Those are those are pretty sweet. Maybe you, you can know, get a I, scarf made of that material. Ooh, all right. I, that I, fun. I, I'm actually seeing a lot of a lot of fans with the, that flight jacket. I mean, I'm not going to say that you started a trend, but you're you on to something. Lie. Yeah, okay. you're on to something. Oh, I think you started yeah. a trend, all right, because I didn't show this earlier, but I've got my he's got Ollie, his Ollie shirt, Ollie. Ollie t-shirt. If, if we were on Periscope or or we're doing a live show right now, you would have been able to see Philly disrobe to show his Ollie t-shirt. But right I'm now. not the only one who's rocking an Ollie shirt. My wife, the panda, who is going to be a special guest on the show, she's rocking it too. Hey, oh my Ollie god, it looks so much better on her. It's surreal. I'm it, still wearing everything my. Everything looks better on her. I, I'm still wearing my. My long sleeve jersey in protest of MLS phasing out the long sleeve jerseys this year. So yeah, there's that. no, it, yeah. it, it stinks. Yeah. We we think that that's true. Portland's team store reported that uh, last this last week or so that they're phasing out the long sleeve jerseys. Yeah, well, what does what Portland know? All they do is protest anyway. Yeah, yeah, little, they lost it though. A little open cup. <laughs> yeah, I like it. Yeah, a little, little little jab there. All right, so now no, with love though. Yeah, it was love. Yes. Yeah, of course. Now you started Wing Solutions in two thousand. You know, tell us a little bit about like what went into like ramping up for that business. I could tell you it is about one year of spending money, training birds, building facilities before you could even think about marketing, because you get a bird, you train it up, and then you go look for an account where you could do bird abatement. Bird abatement means if you have I like resorts. Most professional falconers do like landfills. A bunch of seagulls come in, 100,000 of them, and they're leaving like 50,000 pounds of dookie behind, a lot of pollution, environmental issues. The most effective form of bird abatement on the planet is a trained raptor, hawk, and or falcon. Oh, God, I I don't want to go to work at a landfill all day. (laughs) (laughs) Did the agricultural bit. And that means you go to somewhere where they're raising a very high dollar agricultural product. So the agriculture work basically involves going out to grapes like the Pinot Noirs or blueberries, a very high value crop. And you fly falcons and hawks around from sunrise to sunset seven days a week for eight to 16 weeks at a time. It was kind of cool. You know, the bonfires at night and... The beers with the bros, but... <laughs> Kumbaya's, handholds. You get to be up in wine country. Hey, hey, from- hey, hey, <laughs> this is a PG kind of a show, okay? <laughs> Clearly, you start a business that has to deal with, like, falcon abatement and, and that situation. Bird abatement, Bird abatement. using... Free-flying raptors. Okay, so clearly you need that product in order to market it. So tell us how you come across birds of prey and how competitive of a situation is to get one of these eggs. Birds of prey are bred in captivity. All the ones that I could use I actually have five different state and federal permits to to do my business and basically if you have all the permits you just call someone up and ask if they're producing birds they give them a whole lot of money 
whole lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> and you could, like what we did with Ollie, we drove to Utah. My buddy and I, we picked Ollie's her up. Mormon? Yes. <laughs> she, uh, I, I don't drink in front of her. Yeah. Would she scold you? I would hate to be scolded by Ollie. She's actually the sweetest bird, I think, falcon I've ever had in my life. Hmm. Now, Mel. Or fig? That's a different story. Those birds have ginormous wingspans. They're intimidating when they when they spread. That's incredible. First time we were finally able to sit pitch side, I believe it was Ollie that was flying that day. And to be able to hear Ollie coming before she even got anywhere near us and then to experience the, the speed and the power of that bird as she came through, it's absolutely breathtaking and a little scary too i mean they're moving how, how fast at a game when they're flying and you know right before they hit the the other team's crest or what, what is that called that you hold there the i'm swinging allure and she's hunting it is what we're doing okay in her mind this is a very serious game and she wants to catch and kill right. that lore which has their opponent's crest embroidered on it Okay. I absolutely love that. You were talking about pregame ritual. There's yeah. nothing better than attacking the other team's logo. Now, that hunting lore, it, and hunting it, wanting to kill it, and, and then and how it. I mean, fast? I'm just getting goosebumps hearing this. Yeah. How how fast are they going when they when they hit that mark? Always kind of a wild card in all this. <laughs> I try to keep her down under 60 miles an hour. Okay, wow. <laughs> doesn't work a lot of the times. There was one game that I kind of people remind me of too often but ollie was coming down it was a night game okay she was doing about 114 miles an hour i was oh. swinging the lure i grabbed it into my stomach and went into the fetal position it just scared the crap out of me because <laughs> <laughs> the, the whole w- way this works is i throw the lure out she gets close to catching it and i pull it away in time right 114 miles an hour no this white boy ain't that fast <laughs> not even close Oh, that's incredible. What is it about the lore that's so attractive? Like, do you have any kind of scent that's on it? Or how did you train any of the Falcons to, to go after this lure? Ollie and Mel were it's called imprints. Had them since they're about 12 days old. And I fed them on the lore. Mostly the galaxy lore, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> and I say that with love and respect. I do, seriously, I think you guys got an awesome record. They also <clears throat> have mascots, by the way. Yeah, Cosmo. It's not even a real thing. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, the way the lore works is that when we got Ollie and Mel in particular, and they were just little babies, I fed them on the lore. And they would eat on it, and they're like, oh, that's that's what I hunt and kill, huh? Like, Hmm. yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Then when they're little babies, you know, they'd walk to it a little bit, then they'd hop to it. Then they'd fly six foot, hmm. then eight foot, and ten foot. It's wow. more boring than it sounds. We literally got these birds one year before April 29th's game opener oh, and wow. trained them. I did remember you mentioned that during a conversation that we had. I think that's, I mean, poetic justice in a way. I mean, clearly it was meant to be if Ali turns one on the day of the opening of Bank of California Stadium. And we have a 3252. Well, I'm the 3253. <laughs> that is the permit number for my exhibitor's state oh, permit. That's oh awesome. my goodness! To that's be awesome. able to do this gig. That's incredible. All right, so let's let's back up a little bit before April 29th. What was the relationship? How did you get involved with LAFC? How were you able to to have that door open? God, thank you, God. <laughs> All right, <laughs> it's just bizarre. Dave Hathaway was a gentleman who was building our stadium. He had been going to one of my resorts that we have a Falcon at full-time for many, many years. He saw how the place was before we had the Falcons there, i.e. infested with blackbirds and grackles. Oh, wow. Then once we had the Falcons out, once the program started, I should say, the blackbirds and grackles all but disappeared. And... Most of what we do at that particular resort is, I call it glad handing, Mm -hmm. guest enhancement, photo ops. Cool story. When I go work a resort, we're normally at poolside. We have a Harris's hawk. It flies up to the tree. We walk around with the gauntlet and stick up the glove. Hawk lands on it. And large groups gather. And when I'm doing the gig, a lot of hot women probably too young for me, show up, 
Then when my son does the gig and I'm watching him work, young women and some old cougars show up. (laughs) My daughter, Ashley, when she was working for us, a lot of young men showed up. (laughs) So cause and effect, absolutely. So, so you were telling us about Dave Hathaway and how you got involved with LAFC. How did, you, how did the door open for you? Who got you involved? How'd you do it? I was working one of my resorts, and this gentleman showed up in a blue Speedo. His name was Dave Hathaway. It wasn't a blue Speedo, but it makes the story better. Got it. So yep. we're just going to roll with it. Yeah. And all those of you that know Dave Hathaway, I'm very sorry for that visual. Yeah, now they're picturing him in a blue Speedo. Great. Oh, man, that's so wrong. <laughs> and he says, would you be interested in flying your Falcons at a football stadium? I'm like, football? LAFC? And it took me like two hours of Googling before I figured out it was friggin' soccer. <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> and how it, how it came about, they had made up the crest with the wings. And the owners were talking like, what does this mean? Can't we have something really badass? Like a falcon? That's that's Bond, my Harris Hawk, in the background, if you could hear him. <clears throat> he feels left out. Sure. I mean, I'll, it's business, what I do for a living. <clears throat> Talk to uh, Tom Penn, literally two days later. <clears throat> and I said, you know, what, what, are you, what, what are you looking for? What's your expectations? Because that's usually the first thing I have to manage. And I'm like, dang. That's that's pretty realistic. <laughs> it totally blew me away. And he says, well, we got four weeks to get the contract signed. Give me a big check and I'll go buy the Falcons and get them started. This was one year before opening day. Okay. I had a signed contract in four weeks. Oh, wow. Yeah. It, it's, it's never happened or probably ever will happen at LAFC. The reason we had that timeline is the babies were being born. So we got Ollie, Mel, and some other babies, and we raised them at the Coliseum, Dodger Stadium, which I have a Pui home run ball from. Oh, that's awesome. That's yeah. cool. That's my favorite Dodger. Man, he yeah, almost killed Jenna with a home run. <laughs> oh. And we're on the big screen. It's epic story oh, awesome. for another date. So we got the Falcons, raised them up around that environment. So when they come to the stadium, it's like home. This is life. This is normal. If you ever see Ollie or Mel or Fig, they're just totally chilling. Mel, in particular, he loves it. If we take him to a game and we don't take him out, we will pay. <laughs> Seriously, because he's, he's an imprint, so we're just other Falcons. So when Falcons deal with other Falcons, they don't sit down and have a nice discussion. <laughs> they, they let you know, huh? Instantaneously. Oh, wow. For like an hour or two. The man has a temper. What can I say? April 29th was Ollie's birthday. She's one year old. That's so cool. And it's just destiny. My blood type is now black and gold. Right. <laughs> Literally. Right. I, I was, after the last game, I sat around this house for two days. I, I had Jenna take care of the Falcons and Hawks. And I just, I just walked around like, God, I, I had plans to train for more games. And, yeah. And go to games and hang out with the fans and scream and yell and act like a nut. <laughs> and it's over. Yeah. But season's coming again. Yeah, we got 21 days, three weeks or so until yeah. we're going back to the bank, opening it up to where we're going to get our revenge on Sporting Kansas City. I can't wait. Oh, March 3rd cannot come soon enough. We are all waiting for that. Hey, i got a question for you, Ken. You've mentioned her a couple of times. Tell us about Jenna and how you how long you guys have worked together and and you know let the let the fans know about Jenna. Jenna's awesome. She's 6 foot 2 ballroom dancer, oh, cool. biologist, professional falconer. Wow. <clears throat> she was So working, other than that, I mean, <laughs> she's just one of these she's just really a, a good person. She's awesome. Very hard working, very personable. I just like that whole ballroom dancer biologist right. thing. Right. Because she used to ballroom dance competitively. Oh, oh wow. wow. Cool. Yeah. Very, very much a, a jockette for sure. Ballroom dancers are highly conditioned athletes. Oh, yeah. I didn't know that till I watched one. One of my contracts was at the uh, Living Desert Zoo. I was flying a Harris's Hawk. And, of course, you get into all the keepers because I went through the, uh, the back way where no guests are allowed where the animals are handled and cared for and moved around the really cool part of the zoo, if you ask me. 
And one thing that struck me about Jenna is when no one was around, she was busting her butt. Hard-working lady. And the other thing I noticed was she really communicated with the birds and uh, the the zebras and the cheetahs and the leopards. She was picking up what they're putting down. That's a very rare thing. Most people want to do it, Mm -hmm. but it's a God-given gift, like being born a sprinter. If you're fast, you're fast. But if you're me, you're not. The LAFC gig showed up. And having a degree in, oh gosh, she has the longest degree in the world. It's biology, evolution, it's like 19 different words. (laughs) Very educated young lady. And her passion with the animals is educating the children. And the most important thing I think we're doing with LAFC is working through the foundation to go to the community outreach program where we're going to blow a bunch of kids' minds. We're going to enlighten them to the environment that surrounds them. We could educate them on such topics as frequency of light, what happens to it in the infrared spectrum. We actually have a cool psychic kestrel on that gig, which is another long story for a different discussion time. So since I had all this work and her passions and her work ethic and mine aligned so perfectly, I offered her the job. Mm. She's been with me uh, 89 weeks. She sends me an invoice. That's how I know. (laughs) (laughs) It's a really arbitrary number to remember. (laughs) To remember that. When you mention the invoice, now it all makes sense. Yes. And and Jenna's, if you ever have a chance to run into Jenna at the games or at Free Play LA or wherever else it is that, that you guys are, she could not be a nicer person. You're absolutely right. You, you picked very well there. Great job. And the, the zoo that I hired Jenna from was quite perturbed. I did hire well, and they did not fire me. I still have that contract today. Well, there you go. You must be doing something right then. Yeah. So there are a couple, I mean, there's several different types of, of falcons out there. What is it about the Harris's that, that draws you to them? Harris's hawks are the most commonly used bird of prey in falconry on the planet Earth by far. They live in what's referred to as a pack, like wolves. They have social structure. They have vocalization. They're incredibly intelligent because they are social. Anything that is social has a greater capacity for learning. And they like me. <laughs> they, you know, I'm part of their pack. We, we work together. Uh, Bond, whose primary workload will be going to schools, he's, he's laser-guided. Literally. It's the coolest gag ever. That just sounds like the coolest thing in the world. Yeah, oh no my kidding. Goodness. The fact that my dog likes him and he likes my dog is always a plus. Because <laughs> if your dog doesn't like him, it just don't work. That's a good way to make decisions. Yeah. My dog liked my wife. And Harris's hawks, you could go meet someone who has one down the street who's another falconer. And he'd go out into a field and fly them together. It's actually one of the largest shifts in the falconry culture in the United States of America. Because falconers in the United States were very isolated, self-taught for the most part. So with the Harris's hawks being able to flown together, falconers in the United States actually started sharing knowledge and experiences. And this has fundamentally increased the ability of falconers in the United States of America. We're not like, like the Persian Gulf region where someone learned from their father who learned from his father and his father. I mean, we're talking 10, 20 generations of professional falconers. So that combined with the deep cultural heritage of falconry, I have to say that they're some of the best falconers on the planet. But I'd be playing in that park, boys. (laughs) (laughs) I have had a lot of other falconers throughout the planet. See Ollie of Ridden Ape Shaheen flying at a football stadium are you freaking nuts dude <laughs> they're, they're just too high strung they fly too fast you can't do that oh my god you have altis <laughs> oh! <laughs> then they come and they see him fly and they meet the birds and they're they're just blown away so we're, we're playing in the big pond that's incredible what right? differs ollie from the rest of the falcons on your roster and what made you choose her to be your main falcon why did i choose ollie She's the best at everything, all the time. She's very consistent. She flies wicked fast. Ollie and Fig are the two game day birds I have. 
And they're both actually about comparable in terms of speed. But when you watch Fig fly, he hauls bunions and he stops. And he fights the wind and he turns and he accelerates some zero to go again. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, why are you making all this work? You know, you see Ollie, she'll just do this gorgeous banking turn. She keeps her speed. At the last minute, she'll just shoot up so she could do a wing over and gain that little bit of height so she come down faster. She's just more elegant in terms of flight. She's super consistent. She's sweet to have around the house. She she earned the job. Would you say she's the alpha of the group? She's omega alpha. Okay, all right. <laughs> we no, we raised him in the house. Uh, there's a, actually a, a really cool picture on my Instagram. Shows all four as babies, then all four as grown ups. Oh wow! And when she was growing up, Mel wanted to be alpha. Mel tried hard. Ollie just looked at him and said, <laughs> "Shut up, <laughs> go away." And they all did. It wow. just there's no stress in her to be alpha because she is so much better and stronger. And when she flies, the wild peregrines came in and tried to express their will for her to leave the Bank of California Stadium. She just outflew them and outmaneuvered them. What is the Falcons' temperament towards each other? They all get along just fine as long as they do what Ollie wants. Fig is kind of a rambunctious little snozberry. He plays with toys and he attacks and plucks grass, which kind of bums me out because I work really hard at the lawn back there. <laughs> Mel is just about as sweet as can be until he gets in a bad mood. So he's a little bit moody, I guess I could say. Sonny is like Ollie, except Sonny doesn't want to be alpha. Sonny's cool with just hanging out and being <laughs> part of the gang. Flies like a rocket ship. Sonny's been out in the desert. Uh, my son's been flying her to learn how to fly in the big sky. There's things that you only could learn when you have 100,000 acres to go explore and be a bird. And Kind of like your childhood. You had 100,000 acres to roam through, too. It's interesting how it all connects. So the, the Falcons all get along great. The Harris Hawks, we only have one here for the moment, is Bond, and he's sort of more like my dog. He spends more time indoors. We keep him separated from the Falcons because he wants to eat them. He's not a bad Harris Hawk. He's a Harris Hawk. Right. And that's what they do. So it's... My wife's hanging out with him. He's not going to eat her, is he? He would actually keep yelling at us if she was not hanging out with him. <laughs> he, well, he hears us and he's like, I'm over here. What the Fraggle Rock is going on? <laughs> yeah, so he's he's an absolute charming guy. He's, he's my main co-pilot when I go on drives. I throw him in the front seat get a lot of looks on the freeway <laughs> uh, ollie also hangs out in the front seat and likes her drive time do you try to go in the carpool lane with them or <laughs> no but That's i've been pulled over twice in my life well actually a whole lot more than that but twice in my life when i got pulled over a cop saw the falcons we started talking about it the community outreach program blah 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 and said right. have a nice day <laughs> mm-hmm. so a smile and a positive attitude and a falcon in the front seat will get you far. <laughs> right, right. Uh, I want to ask, too, are you working through the LAFC Foundation or with the LAFC Foundation in any way with, uh, with this outreach program that you're doing? We are going to have a full-blown curriculum, programs, materials, and we'll be taking falcons and hawks to the schools through the LAFC Foundation to enlighten the young minds to the environment around them. We're going to teach them all kinds of cool stuff. Then after they've already learned it and they're all pumped up, we're going to say, ha, ha, we taught you something. And this is what you now know. And it'll actually, it, it is pretty much how it goes. They get excited. They get in, engaged like you can imagine. I have gone back to schools five, six, seven years later and the kids come running out going, Ken, Ken, how's Big Bird? Mm-hmm. Oh, we have a Kestrel in the back out here. Oh, wow. So it is an event that most children will remember their entire life. So we get to do a lot of really great things. Oh, that's incredible. I want to ask you, too. I am a huge Johnny Hecker fan. Shout out to at Heck on Instagram and Twitter and everything else. You mean the Rams is MVP during the Super Bowl? That's right. He had The Honorary Falconer. Right, the Honorary Falconer. And I, I was lucky enough to meet him 
that day after he flew the he flew the Falcon, and uh, that was just such a cool moment for me. I've got to imagine there's got to be someone for you, and maybe even for Jenna. Maybe you guys have talked about this. If you could have anybody be an honorary Falconer before a game, who who would you love to allow to fly the Falcons with you? Pat Riley. Oh, that's I can awesome. appreciate that. I am a Knicks fan after all. <laughs> <laughs> that's a well, big LA connection too. It's he's a class act. Super bright dude. And Tom did introduce me to him, and I totally fangirled out. That's basically what came out. He laughed and shook my hand and walked away. You know, and it, it would be just really cool not to look like a babbling idiot in front of him. Well, you know, one of our owners. Could uh, could put in a good word or two. That's, yeah, it that's magic. For, him for a little while. Yeah, you know that that falconer who dribbled and drooled and <laughs> couldn't speak. Yeah, that guy. That's right. The first time I met Tom Penn, he was too busy showing me where the restroom was. I had to pee so bad after one of our events. So. <laughs> that's a good story. I never that's heard hey. that one. <laughs> I at least had like thirty seconds to prepare for Eric Dickerson. Oh, that's awesome! Yeah, because <clears throat> I totally would have drooled and babbled. Like, oh my god, that's that's. Eric Dickerson. Yeah. Another class act. I mean, Will Ferrell is the first one. Like, holy Fraggle Rock. <laughs> if you look at that whole video on uh, YouTube, yeah. you see my son and my grandson and Will Ferrell and Ollie in it. That young man, Ethan, my grandson, he goes, oh, my God. I just want to breathe the same air. <laughs> <laughs> Huge fan. I mean, Mia Ham. Oh, my God. That was She's better looking in person. Hmm. Wow. She's she's a sweet, sweet lady. And you watch her with her kids, and it's just she's just endearing, genuine, nice person. And then there's heroes. We have the first LAPD female SWAT officer. Right. I have daughters. I have granddaughters. I mean, she's she's helping the future of my family. And all the girls around Bank of California Stadium that were there to watch that game too. Yeah, she, and she is a badass. Well, there's just so many amazing people. Uh, the cancer survivors, the young athletes, yeah. the Joseph, president of 3252. It was all a rush. I just don't want to have Pat Raleigh think I'm an idiot forever, <laughs> I think, is why I picked him. Philly, uh, if you could have anybody be an honorary Falconer, who would you who would you like to see out there? Oof. That's a really good question that I didn't have any time to prep for. An honorary falconer you. that I would love. One of my favorite human beings on this planet. That's a really good question. I think if I had the choice of any honorary falconer, <clears throat> and most people might yell at me for this, I am a big, big Oasis fan. I would love to see Liam Gallagher <laughs> be the honorary falconer. And just, just to see the sneer on his face. I want to know fun how me. many of our listeners are now having to Google Liam Gallagher right now. I've got a sweater that I says am, who the F no is idea. Liam Gallagher. Yeah. He's the lead singer, or at least one of the two in Oasis. The He's band. the main lead singer. Not the main <laughs> songwriter, but the lead singer. Who's yeah. Oasis? Oh, <laughs> Wonderwall. I'll just leave it at that. Right. So, so since you asked me and I mentioned Liam Gallagher, I, clearly you want me to ask you the same question. I see you itching across the table for me. That's right. Who would you want or who would you be really excited about for an honorary Falconer? Three words, LAFC fans. Kobe Bean Bryant. Oh, yeah. That'd be awesome. The bank would go nuts if we had Kobe as our honorary Falconer for one of our games. I cannot think of a more legendary Los Angeles figure over the last 20 years or so than Kobe Bean Bryant. Would absolutely love to see Kobe in the black and gold at Bank of California Stadium as an honorary Falconer. That's a really good one. That is a very good one. He's been thinking about it. He has. cheated. He was itching so bad. We're talking about all these honorary Falconers. I'm kind of curious. How much prep time do you need to get these honorary Falconers on the same page as you? Five minutes. The Falcons are pros. But I do have to spend, literally, between Jenna, I, and some part-time help down here, about 5,000 hours a year to keep the Falcons where they're at. So I have to say, we now have another co-host. Ken, could you introduce our fourth co-host to this podcast right now? This is Bond, John Otto Bond. And can you tell our listeners who exactly John Otto Bond is? No. Well, all right. (laughs) (laughs) John Otto Bond is one of the premier naturalists um, of the 19th century. He named the Harris Hawk after his very good friend and benefactor, Edward Harris. 
The Harris's hawks, by the way, are the only social bird of prey on the planet. They live in what's called a pack. They hunt like wolves cooperatively. They have social structure. The only difference with their social structure as compared to wolves is that the female is alpha. Females are about a third larger. And their main job is to bully the men around to do what they want. Sort of like humans. Right. So yeah, that the females familiar. are both alpha. Very, <laughs> very, um, very similar. The, the married men are all nodding. The single guys didn't get it yet. <laughs> <laughs> and by the way, John Audubon, born April 26, 1785, died January 27th, 1851 in Manhattan in New York. Hey, all right, fellow New Yorker. The Audubon Society is named after him. Hmm. Whoa! I missed him. <laughs> he's, right, he's right there. I saw all of that about to happen. That's impressive. You almost had the best I, luck ever. <laughs> so another very unique thing about Harris's hawks as compared to falcons, when they go poop, they don't go down. They called slicing. And they could accelerate up to like six foot behind. Oh They're behind. And... Bond almost nailed JR. Almost got me. He, almost. You could have been covered in white. You should just, if that ever happens, run and buy a lottery ticket. And, and I do, kidding, you almost were the luckiest man on the face of the earth. I, I do appreciate it. You definitely saw it coming and chose not to aim the back of your Harris's Hawk right at me. Thank you. We all make mistakes. <laughs> I'm sorry. Afterthought, it just would have been so freaking hilarious. <laughs> For everyone in the room except me, but that's, I like well, it. That's okay. We're good with that, Oh, right? you would have loved this story. You would have been telling it for the rest of your life. What are you talking oh, about? Oh, yeah. No, are you kidding? I would have never washed these pants. It would have been great. <laughs> would you wear them a lot? No, probably not after okay. that. No. Good. <laughs> oh, bummer. All right. A couple more questions for you, Ken. Definitely appreciate the time. You. This is really informative and, more importantly, a heck of a lot of fun. Now, during the season, how much of time would you say is devoted to to LAFC versus some of the other businesses that you and activities and contracts that you're involved in? <clears throat> LAFC consumes me completely. And Jenna, full-time. And I have some part-time people out here. My son and wife run the business accounts out in Coachella. I'm lucky if I get to go back and see my home four days a month. Hmm. Wow. Wow. My blood type is black and gold. That's uh, funny because my, my blood type is also black and gold. Scarf, what's your blood type? Mine's A positive. <laughs> okay. I, I think he has some poop on his shoe. <laughs> you lucky bastard. <laughs> and again, if you want to follow Ken, it's at LAFC Falconer on Instagram. So, so Ken, April 29th. So Chris, yes, <laughs> April 29th. Tell us about the day we opened the stadium against the Sounders and what was going through your mind on that day. Oh, my God. It was such a rush. <clears throat> it was insane. Not just me, not just the fans, not just the TV. The whole entire synergy was off the hooks. So Tom came up to me and said, Ken, you are going to feel this energy like you have never felt before. There's going to be about quarter million eyeballs on you. No pressure. <laughs> You just have to remember one thing. Breathe. <laughs> just breathe. And I went out there. Ollie's on Will Ferrell's glove, beating her wings hmm. on Will Ferrell's glove. And beating her wings on Will Ferrell's glove. And beating her wings <laughs> on a, you know, I'm out in center pitch having a heart attack. Right. <clears throat> and her pathway was completely blocked by cameramen. She had nowhere to go. So I, I got closer. She flew. It was glorious. I missed my mark about 30 seconds, which for that type of industry is an eternity. Like, <laughs> so what? I was so stoked. I had an adrenaline buzz. My whole family was there, of course. And we came home, and adrenaline wore off probably about 6 a.m. the next day. <laughs> Because it was like nothing I've ever felt before. I'm not sure what was going through my mind, but there was a lot of it, and it was going really quick. Do you still have that same excitement like, for every other game or every game that you go for? Oh, my God. I, I, it's just beyond that energy because at that moment, it was just the, the newness of having the crowd and the screaming. 
uh, it's become much more meaningful for me. The the family, i.e. the 3252, the fans, all the staff members that work there, my family who has such a love for the LAFC now that they've been to the game and they've felt the emotions of it. So it is a deeper, more intense, but less frantic type of energy. While Ollie's flying, I cannot hear a single person in the crowd. I very rarely could hear the music. That's what our cue is to start stooping. I just have been rehearsing it so much. I get 45 seconds and the 52nd and the 122nd marks. So it's bigger, badder, and better, and more meaningful. You've made such an impact on the LAFC community, on on so many people. I mean, we have our logo. Your Falcons were the inspiration of how we came up with Defenders of the Bank to begin with. And what does it mean to you when you walk around Bank of California Stadium and you see people wearing T-shirts with Ollie's name on it, when you see people with pins that have Ollie on that? What, is, what does that mean to you? And the tattoos and that and the tattoos, 60 that's right. by 80 foot banner with an image of Ollie saying death from above. <laughs> yeah, great TIFO, that's right. Oh, it's mind-blowing. It's, it's exciting. It's also very humbling because to be part of something as big and as impactful as the LAFC and all that it means to so many people, I'm... Uh, still processing it because it's growing and becoming more meaningful it's it's bitching <laughs> that's a great answer you you definitely are you're so synonymous with lafc i mean we talk about how oh this person's black and gold that person's black and gold oh that individual's black and gold but there's nobody more black and gold at the end of the day than you and everybody within your wing solutions family i mean we i don't like getting anywhere on time I mean, ask my ask my work. I'm never there on time, but I never want to miss the presentation of Ali. It's one of my favorite things of the game, and I, I love it. JR, what do you think? I, I know you love that too. Yeah, no, when we were there for Vissel Kobe, you know, you and I were trying to get down to the field level so we could watch the players come out, but my girlfriend Nina, she was frantic. She said, no, 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 if I'm down here, that means I'm not going to be able to see the Falcons fly, and she she booked it back up to another level just so she could make it out back out onto the pitch. They had stopped letting people out on the field level. So she took an elevator up a couple of flights just so that she could watch the Falcons fly. And I know, you know, from, from our conversations previous and from what we see in the Founders Club and all over Bank of California, people get to their seats early, which, look, for all of our Dodger fans out there, we know <laughs> that that doesn't happen until about the fourth or fifth inning. You're the reason why a lot of people get to Bank of California Stadium earlier on game day you've got to have a pretty big source of pride in that it's humbling i it it's it's cool but it makes it empowers me and it feels great and it's gratifying and very humbling too i i can't really articulate that sensation that emotion that thought it's it's visceral and it's intellectual all at the same time and it's just it, it crosses so many levels Ken, again, we really appreciate your time. We just want to ask you a couple more questions. So let's just say you're hanging out at the bank. You don't have any of the Falcons with you. You get somebody that comes up to you and that just wants to buy you a drink. What does Ken the Falconer at LAFC Falconer, what does Ken like to drink? I, I like a nice red sweet wine, a Shiraz. The white would be a Gortz to minor. And I totally didn't pronounce it correctly, but... You know what I mean? Not you, what I say. You Got just it. made you just made Nina's day with the Gertrude in a reference there because we went wine tasting and she absolutely loves that particular wine. So it's because it's German. Everything yeah. German is amazing. Yeah, so I think uh, if you see Nina the next time you're in Founders Club, be careful. She might have uh, a glass ready for you. So Ken, one last one last question from me: If you weren't at Bank of California Stadium for games and involved with the team, what do you think you would be doing right now? What would I be doing? <clears throat> My business model is somewhat atypical. Uh, I get a new contract. I start it personally, train the birds, hire someone onto the contract, train them for six months to a year. Then I start, I turn it over to them and I start marketing for a new account. I was probably, I, I'm always constantly, 
always working my leads. I think I would have opened a shop in Hawaii. They have a horrific pigeon problem, hmm. which is causing eco-terrorism on the islands. Okay. And uh, do bird abatement there. Also, I have some general managers who've called me up and asked me to open up shop in Hawaii. <laughs> so I have a few open doors. Yeah. Uh, it'd be cool. I'd, I'd rather be here. All right. And yeah, Ken, we're so glad you're here with us. Again, we are speaking with Ken McNuck of Wing Solutions. If you don't know how to get in touch with Ken, at LAFC Falconer on Instagram. He is, of course, one of our two Falconers of LAFC, him, of course, along with Jenna. Before each of our home games, you can watch him fly Ollie or Mel or Fig. It's an absolutely incredible experience. Ken, just one thing that we kind of want to say as huge fans of you and the Falcons, you know, you know, you're the inspiration behind our logo. And when I was designing the logo for Defenders of the Bank, you know, I just thought, what is the what is the most representative entity icon, you know, any driving force behind LAFC? And it was the Falcons. And that's that's because of you that we have the logo that we do. Of course, we'll have pins and hats and buttons and stickers. So if you see either Philly or I at any of the games, please check us out. Ask us for, you know, pins, hats, stickers, buttons, whatever we have. We don't have Falcons. You do. But again, (laughs) thank you so much for being an incredible part of both the journey of our team, but also, you know, a real inspiration for for us and everybody around Bank of California Stadium. We love seeing you before all of the home games. Wow. I I don't know what to say. Ah, (laughs) Thank you. That's a huge, huge compliment. Well, yeah, this has been episode eight of Defenders of the Bank, of course, with Philly and the Scarf. This has been an incredibly special episode. We were so much fun. We were here the entire time with Ken McNuck of Wing Solutions. And of course, he is the keeper of Ollie, Fig, Mel, Sonny, and Bond, as we met today. Ooh, way to go. Who, again, almost projectile pooped on me about 20 minutes ago while we were recording this pod. And that would have been a lot of fun for everybody but me. But again, Ken, thank you so much for coming on. We've had a blast recording with you today. Anything you want to say to our listeners before we sign off? I love you. I swear to God I do. It is so much fun. It is great for me, for my family. It's been a great journey. And I just cannot wait till I get to go back again. Well, we're 21 it's awesome. days away. We're 21 more days away. February 23rd, I get a fly at, at uh, Whitecaps. Oh, yeah, preseason the preseason game. game. Yeah, the season yeah. ticket holder preseason game. That's awesome. Yeah. All right, well, we're ready to see the Falcons fly. We're ready to see our team back out on the pitch for the season ticket holder game on the 23rd. And, of course, to open up Bank of California Stadium March 3rd. We cannot wait. We'll finally get to see our boys in black and gold in the regular season against Sporting Kansas City. So this has been a fantastic and special episode with Ken of at LAFC Falconer Winged Solutions, Ollie, Mel, Fig, Sunny, Bond, and Philly in the Scarf. Ooh, very nice, very nice. And on that <laughs> note, enjoy the rest of your weekend, and bye-bye. <laughs>